This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we talk about how to be a great investor. Bottom line, how to be a great investor, how to end up managing your own money, comfortable that you're making good choices in whatever you're buying because you have a really good structure that you're working within that has been effective for over 80 years through depression, uh, world wars, uh, inflation, deflation. I mean, craziness of every sort. And this has worked. This has worked and worked and worked and worked. Wow. So that's what we're learning. I think that might be your most spot on intro ever. I love it because it's like (laughs) we're learning to be great investors, which to a newbie sounds a little intimidating, but to all of us who are a little bit further along, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. And then you said within a structure that makes you feel safe because you know it's safe because of the the many, many years and the many, many people who have done it successfully um, through insane times. And that's exactly right. I'd like, I'd like to just clarify something though, honey. And that is that, and by the way, if you don't know who I'm talking to, this is my daughter, Danielle, <laughs> who is <laughs> honey not just, to me. He's not being patronizing. <laughs> I'm not being weird. <laughs> so, um, so what you just said is that say is the word safe. And, and I want to just emphasize something that I think one of my favorite money managers and a great writer and a great speaker about this style of investing, Monash Pabrai, would say that it's safe, kind of. Yeah, that's a really good words, point. Go on. In other words, if you do it right, your downside is limited and your upside is huge, potentially. Um, but doing it right is always the question, right? You have to do it right. So you can say riding a bicycle is safe as long as you don't fall down. So don't fall down. And you have to learn to ride properly to do that. So that's kind of what we're working with here. Mm-hmm. Safe is a relative thing. The more you know, the safer you are, obviously. It's just like driving a car. The more you know about driving a car, the safer you are out there in traffic. And you wouldn't have your 12-year-old nephew drive you you know, on a cross-country trip without any experience. He's just going to have a problem, and you're not going to get where you were going. You could take the same journey, same vehicle, same everything. You, you're a good driver. You get there great. You're safe. Right. So safe is contextual to that knowledge. Yeah. I think. Which is why we do this. I mean, you're exactly right. And I think what I was responding to is, is to feel safe, to feel a sense of, I have a structure that I can depend on even when the world is going crazy or this company is going crazy or I'm going crazy and I can look at my structure and know what to do because I've planned for this and I've practiced it. And actually just, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned Monish Pabrai because just the other day I was starting to feel a little bit like, I don't know what to do. I was looking at a certain company and I was like, ah, 
I don't know what to think about this. It's all nuts. And that's literally what it sounds like in my head. <laughs> and, and I actually thought of what Munish Pabrai says, which is another thing that he says, which is heads I win, tails I don't lose much. That's the goal right. of his investing choices. It's not that it's 100% because... Nothing where you depend on other people and general economic circumstances can ever be 100%. But if you get it mostly right, you're going to win. If something weird happens, you don't lose much. And that just, I, I remembered that and it literally just made me feel safe. That's so good. I love that. And I love Munash for that. Um, and what I want to add to that is, to me, what safe means um, is the same kind of safety you feel when you buy, if you if you have the money, right? And you could buy a, a house to rent out. Mm -hmm. And you do it in a neighborhood you know well, you know the schools. I mean, let's take it to the best example. You've lived there your whole life. You went to those schools and you know the neighborhood's improving, the, com the, the city's doing better. And you have a extremely high degree of confidence that this will be more valuable in 20 years than it is today. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's the level I want for you and for everybody listening to feel about the companies you own. Treat it like that piece of real estate you bought is a company. You buy it at a great price because for some reason it went on sale and now you own it for the next 20 years or longer, maybe forever. Um, and you're getting the value of the free cash flow that's coming off of that business. You, you either put it in your pocket or, or somebody's managing the business for you will grow the business with that cash. That's what we want. We want it on that level of safety. Does that make sense? It does. So cool. can I ask you the big question? Mm. I have a friend who had a baby recently and she got a tax refund of... I don't know how much, but let's say a couple thousand dollars. So not a huge amount of money, but enough where you could buy something with it. And she said, she called me and she said, I want to buy some shares of something, some stock for my son so that he just has this so that in 20 or 25 years, he's got some company or something, some investment that's worth something. And she was like, what should I buy? And I said, God, I really have to think about that. Because it's first of all, it's an amazing question. And secondly, right. it's super real life. Yeah. She's sitting here right now in May 2019 with her son, who's probably six months old at this point. What does she buy? So I thought I'd tee it up for you so we could talk about it. Because I, I mean, I had some ideas. Um, so should I tell you my ideas? I would love to hear what you think. Okay. Yeah, if you were if you were advising her, and of course we're not advising any of you, nor is this any sort of recommendation. Not at all. This is entertainment and education only. Okay, we're probably totally wrong. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I actually googled what to buy, what stock to buy for a baby, <laughs> and pretty much disagreed with everything that was being offered. So <laughs> everybody's got their own ideas. Um, okay, so I had a couple thoughts. So my first thought was, do what Buffett says. Buffett says, buy the U.S. stock index. 
And in that way, basically, he doesn't say this part, but my opinion is that essentially you're choosing to bet on America. You're investing in America and in the future of American business, which Buffett thinks is a very good bet. I would say that's a very good bet. So that's like your basic answer, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we don't even, maybe, maybe it's like, we're done. This is a three minute podcast. Um, My second thought immediately was Berkshire Hathaway, which is a different sort of answer because it's an individual company, but one that people own for the very long term, but one that's going to go through a number of changes in the next 20 to 25 years for sure, because the people who run it are not going to be around in the next 20 to 25 years. So we're going to lose Buffett, we're going to lose Munger, and for all we know, we may lose some of the other people who have been there for a very long time. And so that company, in my opinion, is a good investment for that amount of time. I think it's going to come through really well for various reasons, which we can talk about, but it's definitely more of like a bet than the one of choosing the index. And then I think the third thought is you really choose a company like that's much more of a bet, like, like an Amazon or an Apple or a Disney, or I can't think of any other major ones that I'm pretty sure are going to be around in 25 years. So that's kind of like the progression of my thought, like the index and then Berkshire as like essentially the market and that, but not really, because hopefully they do better. And then some other company. What do you think? I think you're right. <laughs> okay. I do. I I think you just absolutely nailed it. And um but I I want to tell you why I think that. That be this might be a, a, the time to kind of dig into yeah. why. Um that we would say both of us that she without knowing anything about her. Yeah, I've given right? no details. She's a, a mom and she she loves her son and she wants to have him have a stake. Yeah, basically. When he's at a, at old enough. And, um, and ideally, regardless of what happens to her financial future, she's got this seed that she's planted in the ground and it will produce a tree. And that tree is there to shelter her son. Yeah. And I I think, frankly, she doesn't really have high hopes for that tree, but it would be pretty awesome if it turned into something beautiful and strong and productive. Indeed. Indeed. So the reason that we would both say... Warren is right, and that the first thing she should look at, the, the first choice would be to buy the index. And the index is a simple purchase. She can buy, uh, she can form an online brokerage account for her son um, and put in $2,000 into the brokerage account in a Roth IRA. Hmm. I would set up a Roth IRA. By, by the way, I am completely out of my depth here. I'm not a financial an- advisor for people, but I'm just thinking this might be the right way to go. She puts the money into the Roth IRA after tax. Um, and for him, there wouldn't be any tax because he's not doesn't have an income. So ideally, she can get in there. Probably some so financial So basically, like find something out a, about tax planning regarding this. Yeah, because here's the thing. You want this to grow unimpeded by taxes, oh. and taxes are horrible uh, imposition on a, on the growth rate of a, of, a, of, a, of money. They're gigantic uh, weight on your future results. So, um, what we want to do is have it grow tax free, and the Roth lets it grow tax free, and you never pay taxes on it when he 
he's old enough to take it out. He can take it out um, in, in, at retirement. It'll be there for him. And he can take it out and pay taxes on it if he wants the money earlier than that. So there's no downside to the Roth. Um, and he can take the money out that she originally put in. If she's putting in money each year, that all can come out tax-free. So there's, I would say that's a great vehicle. And the reason that we'd strongly recommend that she put it into the, uh, oh, and what do you buy? You buy SPY. So there's a... SPY. Like literally it's like buying a stock, right? I haven't, I've never bought the index. Right. So I've, I've never actually done it. Yep. It's literally a stock. That's an exchange traded fund that tracks the S&P 500 index. The S&P 500 index is the broadest index, uh, sorry, the broadest big company index that there is. There's 500, theoretically 500 stocks in there. And that gives you, you know, a lot of diversification and you're effectively become the market. Whatever the market does, that stock is going to do. It's going to go down when the market goes down, up when the market now, goes up. So why SPY that. and not like the Russell, what is it now, 3,000? Basically the one that has... The Russell 2000. Down to 2000. Um, the one that has all the, the small caps in it as well and the mid caps. Right. Um, very, very good question. And the answer is, hmm, I should have thought about that first. <laughs> <laughs> because the S&P 500 is a bunch of stocks that are quite well established. Right. Right. Companies. So it's the five, right? isn't so, the SPY or the SPY, the S&P 500, which is represented by mm -hmm. SPY as an index um, that you can buy. Isn't that the 500 biggest stocks? It is, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. I know, I know companies go in and out and, and are sort sure. of like kicked out or kicked in based on their market cap. Yep. And so it's the big, the big companies. And the advantage of that is a, a lot of security that the biggest companies are, are going to have the least trouble in a huge economic meltdown. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the Russell is comprised of the small companies. It's 2000 small cap. No, companies. isn't it everything? And like it includes the 500 big companies as well? No, mm -hmm. no, oh. it doesn't. Right. So the small cap, the advantage is, they are likely to grow a lot faster if you've got good ones. Um, but the disadvantage is they crash and burn more than the S&P 500 does. People get scared of being in the Russell stocks and they'll get out. Um, and so the Russell over time, and, and that's what we're talking about here is an investment yeah. over time. The Russell over time will outperform the S&P 500. It has anyway for the last 100 years or however long that things been put together. So it's going to do way better by, by several percentage points. And that really adds up. But so, it's also more you know, I volatile would say, is what you're saying in the sense that it goes up a lot right. and it goes down a lot. Right. So you have to have a little more fortitude, right? You're going to be a little more emotionally involved with the Russell because it's going to go up and down a lot mm -hmm. uh, compared to the S&P 500. So the S&P is a little steadier. And ultimately, that's what we're really talking about. And that's what I wanted to get to was that what we're talking about, why we would advise her to go toward this index is because we want to remove emotion from the investing strategy she's mm -hmm. going to have here. And the other strategies that we would implement require knowledge. 
And without that knowledge, you're going to be in a serious emotional turmoil if you put your money into one stock, even hmm. Berkshire. And that stock oh, starts really to have problems. Because emotion comes from lack yeah. of knowledge, right? You, you have fear. is gen- the, the, the emotion we're talking about is fear. Now, I'm not so worried about <laughs> greed as this thing's going up like crazy and she's woo-hoo, really excited. We're worried about fear. And fear causes people to do things that are mistaken in the long run. And in investing, what it causes you to do is exit something you shouldn't have yeah. gotten out of. And, and fear causes people to sell at the worst times, right? So the first thing we would say is, okay, first, you don't know much. We're going to assume you don't know yeah, much so about investing. Yeah, so just to give you back. So she knows nothing about investing, probably isn't going to learn. This is a complete set it and forget it for 25 years situation. So... Uh, that's a no-brainer. Then your first, your first, your first advice was your best. But I'm not so sure. There's, even with Berkshire, there's not. There's just no way that someone who doesn't know about investing is going to be comfortable owning Berkshire when Warren Buffett dies. Yeah, it's going to be a traumatic that's event. True. Berkshire stock may go up. It may go down like a brick. Um, it, it's going to be more volatile than the market. Yeah. No question about it. And scary. And that's what we're trying to avoid for her is scariness. Uh, we want her to have a set it and forget it mode here where she just doesn't think about it. She doesn't open up quarterly, no. annual reports. No or annual She's report. Gone. Exactly. And the money's in there. Exactly. And that's the only place, to my knowledge, where an uninformed investor can have that comfort is to long, long-term investment. So this isn't advice for somebody who's 60 years right. old. No, right this now, is for a baby. Right? This is advice for a two-year-old yeah. or one-year-old where the power of compounding. So since um gosh, since the 60s, the S&P 500 has managed to go up really fast like uh up in the 10% range and that's going to double money every 7 years. So if she put in $2000 right now and she wanted to see well where where would that be when my son gets to be let's say uh I don't know mm-hmm. 21 years old. Um, that's three doubles. So the 2000 would become 4,000 and then eight, four becomes eight. That's the second double and eight becomes 16,000. So at 21 years old, he'll have $16,000 with a pretty high degree of likelihood. I don't know. That I sounds would, a little pie in the sky to me. Don't you think, don't you well, think it really depends on, might be, I mean, we're at, uh, I was going to say the peak, peak, but there has been a higher market. So basically one of the peaks that the U S stock market has right. ever been in. So I'm not sure right. if you're going to buy the index today is the best day to be buying it. Oh, it's terrible day to buy the index, <laughs> but we're talking about, we're talking about not having a crystal ball, someone with no knowledge yeah. about investing and the desire to do it now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think she could wait she like wants to do something you know, now. a month or two months or, or six months or something. But. I think if she can't wait two years, she should just go ahead and pull the mm-hmm. trigger. So have you ever back tested right? that? Again, we're trying to avoid fear. At the very top of the market and hold like the U.S. index for 20 years. Have you ever looked at what that's done? Do you still get any sort of a return? Yeah, and it, it can be really variable, I'll tell you that. In fact, a wonderful study was done on this by Robert Schiller at Yale, where he took every 20-year period since 1870 mm-hmm. and said, all right, if you took the whole market, like the S&P, and you did it this January, 
where would you be 20 years from now? And then he compared that to the PE ratio of the market adjusted for inflation hmm. and time. And, and it's, cr- it's created this thing that's really amazing called the cyclically adjusted PE ratio. Oh, yeah. Cape. We looked at that when um, you were teaching me analysis. Um, about how to look at the market as a whole for yeah. our book. Right on. And so this, this, this thing we call the Schiller PE ratio is created from those, those uh, inputs. And essentially what he found out is that if the stock market is at a high Schiller PE ratio of anything 25 and above, um, the chances of having a, a 10% return over the next 20 years are almost zero. And at 30 and above, the chances of having a 5% return in the stock market over the next 20 years are, uh, are, are few. There's few that, of those periods that worked out well. Um, mm. And several were negative. Several were negative. Some were zero. Some were 2%. The average is about 2 or 3%. So unfortunately, in this particular time period, I keep forgetting one of the, one of the criteria of this uh, question is that he'll have money when he's you know 21 or 22. Well, I keep thinking in terms of a, 60 years, you know? I mean, honestly, that's my addition to it. I don't think she actually said that to me, but it was just, you know, what should I buy now for him so that he has something when he's older kind of thing. Right. So, I, you know, if we're a in a total assumption. depression in 20 years, he could wait an extra 10 years for sure. Well, the, definitely the scary part of this right now is that the advice to just buy and hold is really good advice as long as hold means 40 to 60 years. If you're talking 20-year segments, it does pay to look at what the market's doing right now. And Hmm. the market is high as a kite. It's only been on this cyclically adjusted view of the market that Schiller got the Nobel Prize for, by the way, 2013 or 14. Um, It it basically says that, you know, we're at a point in time now that we've only been here twice before Mm -hmm. in history. And that leaves me very uncomfortable that I could tell her, oh yeah, for sure, you're going to have a bunch of money in 20 years. You know, really the 2000 might become 4,000. It might, it might become 16, but it's unlikely it'll become 16, much more likely to become four, but there'll be something there. Okay. There'll be something there. I don't think that news is something she wants to hear because most people who are putting money into things prefer to not know anything about it. They would really prefer to be ignorant and not know anything about it. I couldn't so agree many people with you out more. There. I mean, there, it's just... Speaking from personal experience. <laughs> exactly. It's just so much easier to remain ignorant of what actually goes on out there in the financial world. And we, we promote that by teaching no financial literacy in schools whatsoever. That means so high school true. or college. Yeah. And, um, and most of what we teach in college about how the market works is wrong. Mm. So it's really quite interesting, I think, what's going to happen over the next 20 years is more and more people like you and me are out there teaching people that you can learn this stuff. And the downside of not learning it is you end up in her position. You got $2,000, you're going to put it into the market. You could very well have, you know, a, a, you know, a 2% return for the next 20 years. Absolutely possible. We just don't know. And and so investing in the stock market is a very long, long game. And unfortunately, if you're not going to learn to invest, 
you don't have much choice. You have to do it like that. You have, you have to buy the index and just keep buying it. And so what I would tell her is, okay, here's what I would recommend you do. First, I hope you have a job and you're saving a little money. And every year I would like you to put $2,000 into your son's account on this date every single year without even thinking about it so that you are constantly putting money into the market with a range of market prices that will so help effect, you out. averaging the dollar cost average, the, the input price, so to speak. Yes. The yes. Basis. So when the market, and I, I can say with great certainty, the market will crash again, because in every system unknown to human beings, um, that involves money, it's un, it, it gets out of control. It always gets out of control. Because anything that looks like a more and more sure deal attracts more and more money until it gets that asset gets bid up to the moon and finally crashes. And so eventually the market will go down. And what she should be doing is buying stock in the market when it's high, buying stock in the market when it's medium, buying stock in the market when it's low, and just keep buying stock in the market. And of course, that is the most difficult thing in the world is to put your hard-earned $2,000 into the stock market now that it's crashed and everyone knows you'll lose all your money. Um, but if you don't do that, you're not going to end up dollar-cost averaging through the good times as well. I mean, honestly, she's probably talked to me enough about it at this point that she's excited to buy when the market crashes. So <laughs> at least I've evangelized that much. <laughs> and then, then your second thought about going to Berkshire, of course, has the downside that it could get more volatile in the market if Buffett dies, which he will. And then... Um, but the advantage, and the and the advantage that you're looking for is it'll do better than the market. But the Berkshire is so large, right? It's five hundred billion dollar market cap on the company, um, so it's one of the largest companies in the world, and that means it's going to have trouble growing at any kind of great rate greater than the market in the future. Which is why Warren is basically saying, "I'm just going to have, have my family put their money in the index rather than Berkshire, because it removes some of the risk, and you don't lose much of the return." So I haven't um, heard them say that. Yeah. He yeah, always Buffett talks about that. no. He always talks about how he has his all of his net worth virtually in Berkshire and his kids are just gonna have to deal with it basically and ride Berkshire. Well, I think that he's going to Oh, you know what, you're right. It, it, the, the money stays in Berkshire, but then Berkshire just takes the money and invests it in the market. That's what he was thinking would happen. That's what he was saying. Oh, okay. Effectively putting their money in the market. So the upside for Berkshire is limited because of its size, unless they break up the company. If they do that, there could be a pretty big upside to Berkshire. Um, mm -hmm. we, we think it's worth, you know, 300 bucks a share split up. And Buffett doesn't want to see it split up because it has some really nice synergies that happen by having everything in one place. But the market isn't going to pay for those synergies. Uh, you, you get the advantage of that as a shareholder from the company continuing to have high cash flow and buying more companies that generate more high cash flow. Um, so if yeah. I were to advise her to buy Berkshire, I would say, okay, on this one, what you want to do is you want to wait until the next recession because Berkshire has a rather nasty habit of dropping over 50% in every recession. It just goes down like a brick. And so take advantage of that and buy it then. And if you do that, then the rate of return starts to get explosive. Okay. Then the rate of return can get quite large, but we could say the same thing about buying the market during the recession. 
Exactly. So you've just said the same advice, essentially. Wait yeah, just for the hold off. drop. Okay, so if I was really thinking she can handle the emotion, I would say just put the money someplace where it's getting 2% return right now, which I think you can get in your brokerage account, actually, in many brokers. Um, you can get a 2% return on the cash. Sit there, do nothing, wait for the recession. The market will drop 30 40 50% by then. And then you're going to see returns that are seriously better than 10%. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Now, that's a little tougher to handle. It's tougher because you have to wait. Yeah, you got to wait. And not spend that money. And there's no guarantee that that'll yeah. happen. Yeah. Right? With Trump in the White House, <laughs> we, we don't know. He's lobbying the Federal Reserve to change their entire program to simply support the economy at the interest rates we currently have. And if he's successful in doing that, interest rates are not going to go up. And we may be in for an, an extended long market run yep. for simply no other option. You got to put your money in the stocks. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So hmm. that's okay, the I'm advice. Okay, I'm going to ponder this for a moment. Because that advice is uh, frustrating. I know. It's, it's frustrating, but it's a little bit like, like somebody saying, you know, I really want to enjoy snowboarding. I want all the benefits of snowboarding and the, the great, you know, for my son, uh, the, the thrill of being on the mountain and the whole thing, just the great weather, you're outdoors. Yeah, but I don't, I don't want to learn snowboarding. <laughs> yeah. Well. And you just, you're not going to get those kind of benefits. You're going to get just some of them. You can go sit on the mountain. It's a little bit more I would more recommend like, Jackson Hole at the Four Seasons, actually. They have a really lovely yeah, place to sit on the mountain. Exactly. It's quite nice. That's what she wants. She wants to sit <laughs> at the Four Seasons <laughs> while everybody else is cold and wet and sweaty. And snowboarding. And snowboarding. And falling down. And, she wants you know. to have a martini on the deck of the Four Seasons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which one would you choose? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But for, for most people, getting to the Four Seasons deck is going to require <laughs> more than just sitting there doing nothing in the market. You're going to get educated. <laughs> and that's everybody listening to this podcast. So for everybody listening to the podcast, if you have friends that are looking for your advice because you're becoming such a good investor, advise them the way Danielle just did. First off, tell them you're not their advisor. For sure. They should seek competent financial advice. And then your competent financial advice is going to tell you the same thing. They're going to say, go put your money in an index. And then our next level is, okay, and you might want to wait a year or two because we think it's going to start raining gold. And when it does, you can put your son's money in then. And not, no harm, no foul. Uh, we don't think this market's going to run away right now, but we could be wrong. And then the third level is, okay, now you ready? Learn something about investing. It's not rocket science. But while your son's growing up, spend the next two or three years learning to invest. And then you have a really good program for making some serious money. I mean, I also think it's a really fair point that it, we could have five or six more years of this total going up market. It's completely totally, plausible. Totally good. Yeah. Totally good. Which to so, all of us waiting for the crash is just like terrible to think about. But... It's possible and it's and it's good for a lot of other people for a lot of other reasons. So yeah. 
I know I'm reminded, I'm reminded by this scene with, uh, uh, in, in the big short where Brad Pitt was turning around and lecturing these two young guys who had just managed to nail the short positions that they've been trying to get for months. And finally they got them. Um, and, and they're, they're high-fiving, they're walking out of this. It was right big... after the crash happened, and they finally sold their positions, convinced these banks that were failing to actually give them the money they were owed, which was... No, 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 it was yeah. before that. Yeah. Oh. No, it was before that. I'm thinking about when they first put the positions on and they bought triple-A tranches of these oh, bonds, yeah. or yeah, double-A yeah, tranches, because right. they right. thought... And, and no one... Everyone thought, there's no way, these guys are crazy, right? Yeah. And they went out realizing we've just scored. And Brad Pitt looked at them and said, shut up, you boneheads. Do you realize what you're cheering? You're cheering about the meltdown of the of the world's financial system. And all the people are going to be crushed by that. You're, you're cheering, cheering about people so losing their homes. Yeah, yeah, people losing their homes. And so we do talk about this in a way that, hey, we're going to do great when that happens. But people who don't know what they're doing out there with money and they don't know the forces that are moving this around are going to be badly damaged. A lot of people are going to lose their retirement this time around. And it's going to be a crisis. And we're going to see government step in to try to solve this crisis when it happens. And it's going to be really rough. And I think that, um, you know, if you don't get ready for it, you're going to... God, it's almost like another movie in Blade Runner. There's this Ridley Scott movie from long ago with Harrison Ford where... Um, Harrison Ford is basically choosing whether he's going to be with the cops or he's going to be with the rebels. Mm-hmm. And they base this cop looks at him and says, look, you, you're either with us or you're one of the little people. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> that was Jeez. wrong. And that, that, what that means is you're going to be with us and we know what's going on. Or you're going to be with people who don't know what's going on. And they get it handed to them and you want to be with us. Jeez, I know. Dad. That's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I didn't. I, maybe I underlined that one a little too hard for us to 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 encourage you to learn. But we don't want to see anybody out there suffer. And knowledge is the way you avoid suffering. That is just the truth of it. So learning can be worth, you know, any amount that you have to, any amount of time you got to put into it. That's the truth of it. Heads I win, tails I don't lose much. That's, that's right. That's... Heads I win, tails I don't lose much. All right. Uh, so we'll dive in. We'll dive in on a happier note yeah. on what to do now yeah. next week. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. um, and I'm going to go back and ha- tell her to listen to this podcast and find out what her feedback is and her questions. And I'll come oh, back. I'd love to hear from that. Okay. All right. We'll hear about that next week. Hope. And until then, time to go play. Thanks, everybody. Bye. See ya. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.